Thank you very much for the honor and privilege to be back here again. I believe this is the third time that I have spoken here. I spoke on a Sunday morning and then Wednesday night three years ago and here again on a Wednesday night. What a singing church. I was just delighted to hear you all singing. It helped drown me out because I, uh, you don't want to hear me sing. I, uh, I, helped sing a, I helped sing a special one time and one guy came up to me and he said, well, I'll be honest with you, Pastor, I've heard worse. And uh, I said, well, thank you for that word of encouragement. I appreciate that so very much. And this church is spoken of throughout the world, Good Shepherd Baptist Church and your pastor. And what a great blessing to see the work of the Lord being carried on here in such a wonderful way. And I know that uh, uh, that's a great testimony to your faithfulness. Uh, we're glad to, our church supports Brother Shemish. And it was 14 years ago when you guys were at uh, Temple Baptist. We had just moved in a new facility. And of course, I'm honored to be here with my pastor who led me to Christ uh, 52, 51 years ago plus. Uh, in fact, I was telling our folks, I'm going to see our pastor who led me to Christ. And I'm 65. And they said, my word, how old is he? And I said, <laughs> old as dirt. <laughs> now, his wife's very young, but he, he's... Uh, so uh, I'm thrilled to be here and to be in Australia. This is my 12th time to come to Australia. And I say the greatest asset about Australia are the people of Australia. I love, and especially Christian people that love the Lord. And what a, what a great privilege it is to be here. And I uh, am honored. Well, if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, if you would. And I'm going to kind of lay the groundwork, and then we're going to go over to the Old Testament and give an illustration to what... Paul is actually writing about here. Uh, he is speaking about the church uh, in general, and of course he's writing to a local church in particular, and speaking to them about the importance of every member of the church, every member, and how important everybody is to the great work of the Lord in his church. And he gives us an illustration through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, about the body. And he's illustrating through the body and the different parts of the body uh, how important every part of the body is to the whole and uh, to speak about it. So we read in verse number 14 of 1 Corinthians 12, For the body is not one member but many. And may I say that about every church. It is not about one member. It's about all of the members, everybody. Thank God for you. And he begins to illustrate about it. He said, if the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? He's saying, first of all, he said, don't doubt the significance of your importance in the work of Christ. And he illustrates how sometimes people will think I'm insignificant, and he uses the illustration. The foot shall say, you know, I'm not the hand. We cover up me. That's what we do. We put a sock and a shoe on me, but the hand is visible unless it's freezing out. Everybody sees the hand. Nobody sees the foot, so I must not really matter. What really matters is the hand. I'm not important because I'm not the hand. I'm just a foot. And sometimes people get the idea in the church that I have no significance. I don't matter. But that's what he's saying here. Don't get that thought in your heart. Don't let the devil put in your heart that you don't matter to the cause of Christ because, because you're not the hand. Well, I'm not somebody who stands up in front of people. Or I, sometimes people say, well, I'm just an usher here. Well, I, don't, I say to them, don't ever say you're just anything. 
in the work of the Lord because you matter. Thank God for ushers. We wouldn't get paid, I'll tell you for sure. And so uh, thank God for ushers and, and all of the people. Thank God for nursery workers. We don't want that crowd to crash. Is that what you call it, a crash? Um, we don't want that crowd turned loose on us. So we thank God for those who watch the nurseries. And so he's illustrating here, don't ever think that you're insignificant. And that's the illustration he uses. Then he goes on to say in verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? So the ear needs to realize you're just as important because if the whole body was an eye, if everybody was the same, how would we hear anything? That's what he's trying to illustrate. God brings everybody talented. God has, God has enabled you and gifted you to do things that a pastor can't do. And God has gifted you in such a way the ear can do something the eye can't do. And that's what he's saying. You don't want a whole, you don't want just one big eye walking around. You know, you want to have, you want to have some ears and all that's necessary there. And he goes on to verse 17, uh, verse 18. But now hath God set the members, every one in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And then he goes on to give another illustration and the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the hand of the feet, I have no need of you. He really just reverses this. Don't get to thinking that you can do without the, the foot or the ear. Don't get to thinking, well, I'm so important that this church would go under if it wasn't for me. No, everybody is important in the work of the Lord. Everybody matters. You may be the biggest giver this church has, and thank God for that. But uh, the person who is uh, giving the widow's might, who is giving as sacrificially as you may be giving, matters to the cause of Christ as much as a person giving a large gift. It's not, it's not equal gifts, it's equal sacrifice. And uh, so how important it is. And he said, don't, don't get to feeling like, well, you know, I'm better than you or whatever the case may be in your mind. Everybody matters. And he says... Uh, in verse 22, nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. I got to reading that verse uh, in my devotions, just my own personal Bible reading, and I got to thinking about how many people come on the pages of Holy Writ that are just there for just a verse or two, and then they're not, they're not ever mentioned again. And I got, I got to preaching a series of sermons, not well known, but necessary and needed. How many people in the Bible, not well known, some of them, we don't even know their names. You think about the little lad who just gave his lunch. And by giving his lunch, they fed 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. We don't even know his name. I have no idea who he is. Not, uh, he's unknown to us, but not unknown to God. Isn't that a wonderful truth? The four unnamed men who brought the man sick of the palsy, Mark chapter number two. It's a wonderful story. Four unnamed men have no idea what their names were, but they were responsible for giving that man to Jesus and they couldn't get in for the crowd and they got up on the roof and tore the tiling off of the roof and let the man down in. And how significant those four men, we still give them, we still don't have a clue their names. When we get to heaven, I want to look them up and find out what their names were. But I, uh, I got to thinking about how many other instances there are. In fact, I got to reading that there are over a hundred names of people that were involved in the ministry of the Apostle Paul. Over a hundred names. People that you wouldn't have a clue what their names are. But what a significant impact they had on the ministry of the Apostle Paul at certain times. And how important it is that they were at that particular point in time. And I think God has allowed that to happen 
on the pages of Scripture so that every Christian, everybody involved in the great cause of the Lord Jesus Christ through his local church could understand that you matter. I heard a guy say one time, if you think you really matter, just stick your hand in a bucket of water and pull your hand out and see how big a hole you leave. And I said to him, I said, well, you know, that's true of a bucket of water. You don't leave a hole, but I'm, I'm not dealing with a bucket of water. I'm involved in the cause of Jesus Christ. And so you, you are important. You matter. And I got to thinking about and the great an illustration of this. If you have your Bible, turn over to 2 Kings chapter number 5. 2 Kings chapter number 5. And most of us know of Naaman the leper. Most of us are very familiar with that story, but one of the significant things about this story is the little maid that's involved in the story. And I love this story. It's a wonderful thing. We don't have a clue what her name is. She's not named, but how significant she is in this wonderful story. We read in verse 1, Now Naaman, captain of the host, this is 2 Kings 5, captain of the host of Syria was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria he was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria? For he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. And I spoke on this little maid, to whom we don't know her name, but she is first of all momentous in the story of Naaman the leper. In fact, of all of the miracles that Elisha did, and he did, remember he prayed to be able to do twice as many as Elijah, let a double portion of thy spirit fall on me. Of all of them, this is the only miracle, the healing of Naaman the leper, that is mentioned by Jesus in the New Testament. How significant this story is. But don't you think about this little maid, that the initiative of the entire series of events formed the substance of the story of the salvation of Naaman the leper. The little maid, the little girl who is a captive. She's momentous in the story. And I want you to understand, every Sunday school teacher, every usher, Everybody that's involved in the cause of Christ, you cannot imagine what an impact you can have at some point in time on somebody's life and how much that matters. Think about this little maid, momentous. Never doubt the ability of what one yielded person, whatever their station in life, can do for the Lord Jesus Christ. How important that is. Uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, great preacher in England, days gone by. He was a little lad. He went to church on a snowy day on a Sunday, and there was a the pastor couldn't make it, and a layman was preaching that morning, so-called layman. He preached that morning, look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. He was a faithful man, preached to a little crowd. Charles Haddon Spurgeon was in that service, and he got saved in that service because that layman filled the pulpit when the pastor couldn't make it because of the snow, and Spurgeon shook England for God. Now say, don't ever imagine like this little maid or like that that lay preacher that preached there that Sunday. You never imagine what might have an impact on somebody's life, how important that is. Stories told of D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody went to a Sunday school class, and the Sunday school teacher came to see him. D.L. Moody was a great evangelist in the 1800s. 
during the time actually of Spurgeon, Spurgeon in England, Moody in America. In fact, Charles Haddon Spurgeon loved this. I read one time where he said, I love to have D.L. Moody come preach over in England because he could draw a crowd on Monday and Tuesday night. I guess they had that kind of problem back then too. <clears throat> this is a great crowd on Wednesday night, may I say, but uh, D.L. Moody was working at his shop and the Sunday school teacher came by and put his hand on his shoulder and he said, that Sunday school teacher wept over my sin and wept for my salvation to which I had never done either. And that Sunday school teacher led him to Christ, and he got saved. And by his own testimony, it's in Moody Bible Institute in the little museum there, D.L. Moody, if you've ever, you're ever in Chicago and happen to see that, he said it was that Sunday school teacher who had the impact on my life. D.L. Moody shook America for Jesus Christ. And even to this day, we're talking about it, of a Sunday school teacher. Don't ever imagine those boys and girls that you are working with and teaching, and influencing, and impacting their life, whether it's from the baby, or up in the teenage years, or college-age singles, whatever it may be, what a difference you can make in somebody's life, and how important you are, and this little maid, momentous in the story, and how uh, plenty of sermons are preached about Naaman, dipping himself in the River Jordan, and everybody, we're thrilled about the salvation of Naaman, but it never would have happened if it hadn't been for the little maid. Never would have happened. Think about how God has used people in your life to bring you to Christ. Sometimes it may be a revival meeting and a mighty evangelist preaching that brought you to Christ, but many times it's been some Sunday school teacher or some influence of somebody witnessing to you in your life that made an impact. Thank God for that. A mom and dad that led you to Christ. Thank God for it. A wonderful thing. So she's She's momentous in the story. Second, she's a model of grace, this little maid. You notice in verse 2, And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. Now let me tell you something. There was no Geneva Convention back then. These marauders would, would uh, like guerrilla warfare, they would go into Israel out of Syria and they would, uh, they would uh, attack a city or a village and they would take some captives. Most of the time, they would slaughter the mom and the dad or older people. This little maid was probably uh, not even into puberty when she was taken captive. She may have, we don't know for sure, but she may have seen her own mom and dad killed and fam other family members killed. And here she was, a prisoner of war in a strange land. Not only was she momentous in the story, but she was a model of grace. Now you think about that. She's working for this mistress and she hears that her mistress's husband is a leper. You know what she might would have said? I'd, probably if it had been me, I'd have said, good enough for him. I mean, he's, he was responsible for telling that group of folk to go in there and slaughter my family and take me captive. Well, good enough for him. I don't want to talk to him about Elisha and what Elisha could do. I'm just going to leave. Was that her attitude? No, that wasn't her attitude at all. She didn't allow the circumstances of life to cause her to be a bitter person. Now you think about that. She, in the midst of it all, and like I said, I don't know if I'd have been that spiritual, but in the midst of it all, she said, would God, my, my mistress's husband, would God that he could go to, go to Israel and see the prophet there. I promise you that prophet could help him. Isn't that a wonderful testimony? How many times we've let bitterness stand in the way of being for God what we ought to be. Some events of life that have happened to us 
that would cause us to feel like, well, I'm just mad at God or I'm mad at somebody else or I'm, why would I want to help them? Look what they did to me. But that wasn't the way this, this little maid was. She was a model of the wonderful grace of God. Even though a prisoner, she realized that God has brought me into Syria maybe just for this purpose. And here we are thousands of years later still talking about this little maid who was responsible for the cause of Naaman the leper getting saved. Isn't that a wonderful story, a great blessing to us? So she was momentous in the story. She was a model of grace. Thirdly, I see that she was more interested in others than herself. She wasn't studying about how to escape, although that may have been on her mind, but she cared about others. You know what? She might could have said, well, I'll tell you, I'm in worse shape. Your, your husband's a leper. Hey, I'm a prisoner of war. I'm in worse shape than he is. What about me? So oftentimes that's really what we care about is me. What's in it for me? What am I going to benefit from this? Really, her own testimony of what could happen there really didn't, uh, we don't know anything else about her. We, we, she probably remained a prisoner of war maybe the rest of her life. Who knows? She may have never been able to go back to her homeland. And yet here she was. She was more interested in others. I preached one time on intercessory prayer. And I said of intercessory prayer, maybe one of the most Christ-like things you can do is to pray for others. I had a lady in our church come up afterwards. She said, well, I want you to know I don't pray for anybody else but myself. And I said, well, isn't that a wonderful outlook? <laughs> well, the truth of the matter is this little model of grace, this woman momentous in the story, was interested in others. You know, I, I know some of you here tonight, I'm sure, we don't, I don't know any of your stories, but some of you here tonight, you, you may have some great troubles and struggles in your life, but there's always going to be somebody that's got it worse, always somebody that's got some other heartache, heartbreak in their life. You never know what you can do to be a blessing to somebody else, regardless of the situation that you find yourself in. And so it was this little maid. She said, hey, I'm, wow, I'm glad to hear about that because I tell you, I know somebody can help your husband, somebody that can be a blessing to him. Let me tell you about him, how wonderful, wonderful it is when we care about others, share a track, witness to somebody, pray with somebody. Is there something I could pray with you about? Something I could help you with? Some needs you may have. You find out somebody maybe uh, needs some meal brought to them or something you can do. You can care about others. Others, Lord, yes, others. Let this my motto be, that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer shall be for others. Oh, how she cared about others. And then fourthly, I want you to notice that she was moved by suffering. Here was Naaman the leper, a leper. Leprosy was an incurable disease. There was nothing, there was no known cure for leprosy, like some of the diseases that we have today. But she was moved by his suffering, what he was going through. You know, seven places in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it is stated that Jesus was moved with compassion. Could I ask you a question tonight? Or have you gotten so used to Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and hearing some of the things that you've gotten hardened to the things that people are going through? I used to hear a dad one time, he'd say to his kids if they had some kind of problem, cut a little cut. You know how little kids sometimes get a little scratch, a little cut. Oh, he'd say, hey, I've had worse places than that on my eyeball. <laughs> As a dad, he wasn't moved with compassion to sometimes what people are going through. You may think, well, that's nothing what they're going through. Man, what I'm going through is far more significant than that. But she was moved with compassion 
about an incurable disease. Have we gotten so hardened at times that our hearts can't break over the needs that others have? To hear the stories of what people have needs of, what a, what a testimony of Christianity is for us to care about people who are hurting and have a need in their life. And she was moved by that. And how, how important it is that you and I never get to a place where we're so hardened that we're not moved with a need that other people have in their lives. And I know everybody here has got some difficulty in your life. Most people have either going into trouble, they're in the middle of trouble, or just coming out of trouble. That's the way I find most people are. At some point in time, that's generally the way it is. Now, if you don't have any trouble, see me. i got plenty to share with you, all right? But the facts are that here was, a, here was this little maid moved by the suffering of Naaman the leper. There's a fifth thing that I want you to see in that she was a mouthpiece for God. Notice what she said. She said in verse 3, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria. Would God. She spoke up. She was forceful and earnest in her plea. Would God that he were there. If he were there, God could do something for him. And you can tell people what God can do for the needs of their life. Oh, they may say, but I've mashed on every button. I've pulled on every string. I've yanked on every cord. I've tried everything. But I want to tell you, God can meet a need. When all the world says there's no hope, God can do some things that can't, humanly speaking, be solved. And what a wonderful blessing it was. She was now, I want you to notice that she didn't send, she didn't send him to the politician. She didn't send him to the political person, although the, they did send Naaman to the king. And the politician, he rents his clothes. He said, man, I said, what can I do for him? She wasn't sending him, we would say in America, she wasn't sending him to the White House. She wasn't sending him to Washington, D.C. What's the capital of Australia? All right, she wouldn't have sent him there. She would have sent him to the Good Shepherd Baptist Church. That's what she was saying. Get there where that pastor is. That's where he needs to go. They can, they can help a fellow there. What a great blessing. But instead he goes to the politician. And the politician, Elisha, when he hears about Naaman there, the king's got his clothes around. He's, what am I going to do? And Elisha says, send him to me. Amen. You know, that's the way a church ought to be. Send him to us. Amen. We can meet the need that people have. What a blessing. Send him to me, Elisha says. What a thrill. And so uh, she was a mouthpiece. She spoke up and said, you, you get to that prophet. You get to that preacher, that, that preacher, that church, that place. They can help a fellow. They can meet a need. They'll love him down there even though he's got leprosy. They don't care what he's been through. They don't care what he's going through. He can help him. And isn't it wonderful when people can feel, regardless of what they've been going through in their life, that they can feel a welcome. Had a, had a couple of young ladies that came to our church one Sunday morning and they had, they had all kind of colors in their hair, not the usual blonde or redhead. Um, we had a gal in our church that passed away, and I said, wow, she, she had beautiful red hair. And her husband said, yeah, she was a decided redhead. She decided one year she was going to be a redhead. And, uh, but these, these, this young, these young ladies came. They had purple and all kind of color in their hair. And one of the ladies in our church said, came on the way out she said did you see the color of those girls hair I said yeah she said wow I, I just can't believe they look I said what better place who knows the need they have in their life but I told her I said the truth of the matter is there's a lot of people that look perfectly normal might be in a lot worse shape than they are 
Truth of the matter is, people need to feel a welcome that here's a place where you can get help. We run an RU program in our church. It's a for faith-based addictions ministry in our church. And when we started it, they were glad for us to have it on Friday night. Most of the members, well, that's a thrilling thing. Have it on Friday night and have it just for them. That's a marvelous thing. Until they found out we were going to have them come up to a Sunday school class on Sunday morning. And one of our members said, you're not letting those people come to church here on Sunday morning, are you? And I said, who are those people? He said, you know, I mean, those people. He said, those folk that have got that, got that problem, you know, that are coming there on Friday night. You're letting them come to church on Sunday? I said, yeah, I think that's the kind of folk Jesus would love. Don't you? He said, well, I think Jesus would love them. And I started to say, but you obviously don't. <laughs> I didn't get that blunt. But the truth of the matter is, isn't it wonderful that she said, you, you get over there to where that prophet is. This, this wonderful gal, prisoner of war, right there was a wonderful mouthpiece for God. And she was motivated with a strong faith, wasn't she? Now look, leprosy was an incurable disease. And she said, I'm going to tell you, if he gets over there, I'm telling you, he'll be healed. And can't you say to this world, get to where the gospel is preached, Jesus Christ can meet the need of your life. He can work a miracle in your life. Our son uh, got away from the Lord. First of all, he got tired of me telling him what to do, so he joined the Marines. <laughs> it wasn't a real wise decision. And uh, so somebody else could tell him what to do. But he got away from the Lord after he was in the Marine Corps for a while and got to making a lot of money and became a crystal meth addict. And uh, he was, had a horrible habit of it. I used to pray and weep, cry, Lord, please help him. And he was about to lose his family and lose everything. One Sunday morning he came to church and... Uh, one of those kind. Came to church and that Sunday morning he got saved and he got delivered that day. He got saved. I mean, God took away, miraculously took away. And he's been preaching the gospel ever since. I want to tell you something. What a strong faith. Let me tell you something. Jesus Christ can do something. Now, I'm not against step programs, whatever it may be. And some people need more than that. And I understand that. My dad struggled with trying to quit smoking cigarettes he struggled with it for years. He wanted to quit. He'd, he'd, he'd quit for a day or two and take it back up. He said, I threw away more packs of cigarettes and cigarettes out the car window on my way to church <laughs> and trying to quit. God delivered. It took longer for him. But I want to tell you something. Jesus Christ can meet the need that anybody has in their lives. And we can say that with a strong faith, can't we? Now, it's not in our hands and not in our ability, but we can point them to one who can and that's what Elisha said. He said, now, when, when Naaman came on down to see him, he said, no need for you to see me because I can't do it, but there's a God in heaven that can do it. You just go wash yourself, dip yourself seven times in the River Jordan. He didn't like God's plan of salvation. A lot of people think it ought to be different than that. But in a wonderful story, of course, they convinced him. Some folks said, look, if that prophet would have bid you do some great thing, you're a, you're a four-star general. You could have done anything, but why not just go dip in that river, John? He said, well, I want to tell you, the rivers, we got a lot better rivers in Syria than they've got here. What good's that going to do me? You know, that's the way the world thinks about salvation. What good's religion? We're not talking about religion. 
We're talking about Jesus Christ. I remember when I got saved, I got saved First Baptist Church, Middle Oath in Illinois. Mike Marsh was preaching, Pastor Marsh, Hazel. Let me tell you, they invested in my life. I don't know where I'd be today if it wasn't for that church, just a little church, a band of folks. It was his first church. I don't know where I'd be if God hadn't used them in my life, and they invested in my life, spent time with me, picked me up for church, brought me back home. Wasn't convenient for them to do that, but they did that so many, many times. And what an impact it was on my life. And I'll tell you something here tonight. You can't imagine what the impact that you can have on somebody's life if you just take the time, just speak a word, be an encouragement. You know, I found uh, somebody said to me, you know, teenagers, they're just not friendly. And I said, well, if you're waiting for a teenager to speak to you first, they, they're scared to death. You're old and gray-headed, and you terrify them. But I'll tell you what, I've always found teenagers to be friendly if you speak to them first. I found it to be true right here. Wonderful young people. I've, I've already met some. Just Great kids, wonderful kids. You know what an impact you can have on somebody's life if you just realize how much you matter? This little maid, we don't know her name. We know Naaman's name. Isn't that something? We know Elisha's name, know the king of Israel's name, but we don't know this little maid's name and how mighty God used her, how mightily God used her in a great way just because she gave a testimony. She just gave a testimony of what God could do. You can't imagine what a track could do in somebody's life. You can't imagine what, uh, why don't you come to church with me some Sunday? Come visit with us. Why don't you let me talk to you about the Lord? You can't imagine what an impact it can have on somebody's life if you'll just let God use you. Those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. I want you to go out of here tonight and say, whatever the responsibility you have here at Good Shepherd Baptist Church, you matter. You're important. You're significant. You, you, may, not be, you may not be somebody who gets up here and sings. Nobody may see your name in the church bulletin ever. But I want to tell you, it's a wonderful thing. If you're doing something for Jesus Christ, you make a difference. You make a difference in people's lives. And what you... What you do, I promise you, Hebrews 6.10 says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you showed toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Now I'll tell you, you and I may forget each other's names. You may forget other, bodies, other people's names, but he never forgets your name. Isn't it wonderful that he takes note of everything you've done? He said, you can't give a cup of cold water in my name. What you'll know why is lose your reward. He's not hard to please. Isn't it wonderful to know that? That the Lord can be pleased with our, whatever we do. You see the five-talented man, the two-talented man, the one-talented man. The Lord didn't chide him because he only had one talent. What he chided him for was that he dug a hole and buried it. And you may think, what difference can I make with just one talent? If you'll just not bury it, you'll find out Amen. what a difference you can make in somebody's life. Well, you say, well, I can never do that or this or the other but you can do something. And I promise you that God has gifted you in a way that your pastor or I or other preachers can never accomplish. You can do for the cause of Christ. And we thank God for everybody. It's not I, it's not me, it's we. You see, the work of Christ is a great team effort. 
This is not a work of one person or two. This is a great work being done by a whole lot of folks. Thank God for it. Thank God for you. Could I ask you tonight, whatever responsibility you have in this church, take it as seriously as you can. We've got a guy that's an usher in our church. He shows up a half hour before every service to make sure, every, make sure the offering plates are in place. And I say amen to that. You know, that's a wonderful thing. He makes sure that the visitor's cards are out and the gift bags are out. Make sure he's greeting people as they come in. You know what? He thinks he's got the biggest job in the world. You know what? He does have the biggest job in the world for him. There isn't anything more important for him. Don't ever think that what you're doing is insignificant. It does matter. Don't think that you say, well, I'm the ear. I'm just an ear. I'm not an eye. Don't ever say that again. You go back, when you get discouraged and the devil wants to cause you to think that you don't matter, you go back to 1 Corinthians 12 and you look at that again and you read all the names at the end of the book of Romans, Romans chapter 16, and you read all the names just in a long list of people that Paul greeted in that long list. We don't really know what they did, but they were significant enough for him to thank God for them. And I want to tell you, thank God for you. Thank God for Good Shepherd Baptist Church. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I wonder who's here tonight. Think about what God has given you a responsibility to do, whatever it may be, whether it's cleaning the carpets or whatever it may be. As a young person, understand how important your work is. And maybe tonight you ought to just say, by the grace of God, I want to rededicate myself to the task that God has gifted me to do here at Good Shepherd Baptist Church. The responsibility that I have, whatever it may be, if it's filling the track rack in the back or the sound booth back there or whatever it is, maybe you've gotten a little bit lax about your responsibility. You maybe got the feeling, well, nobody notices me. Could I say you may not be well known, but you're necessary and needed. And may your heart be encouraged tonight by this message and this thought. And don't ever feel like that you're not important to God's great work. And maybe tonight you just want to say, Lord, forgive me for not feeling like what I'm doing matters. Forgive me, Lord, for not taking it as seriously as I ought to. Lord, I've been moved by a little maid who was a prisoner of war tonight. I've been moved by her story. Forgive me for being bitter or being upset at the circumstances that have come my way. Thank you, Lord, for giving me the privilege to be able to be used of you. As your pastor comes, I'm going to pray, and then I'll turn the service over to him. Father, thank you for every member of this great church. I pray that everyone will realize how significant and important they are to your great work. Lord, they're doing things that angels cannot do. Or I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.